Good morning to you, Providence. All right, you're awake? All right, if you have your word, you can turn them on or open them up to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Excited to look at this psalm together. If you are a guest, we say a special welcome to you. If you uh, are new to Christianity, we are grateful that you are here. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. There should be one under the seat there. We'd love to have you take that, and we'll be on page 499 in that Bible. And you take that, and you can uh, keep that as a gift from us, and we are extremely grateful. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. It's exciting to hear of his mercy after the 8 o'clock service, a young boy came up uh, and was so excited. Uh, he said, uh, I want to share something with you. And uh, he goes, last night at dinner, um, I believed in Jesus. And uh, man, we just went crazy. And uh, he's like, and I'm excited that I can take communion next time. And man, that's, that's a double <laughs> bump on the fist right there. And, uh, and then he said, I also know how to do the, the seatbelt in the car. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, this is good. This is so good. So we were rejoicing for this family and this young man. Now we are in a series called A Life of Worship, stepping out of the book of John for these summer months for about 10 weeks or so. And today we have the joy to continue to build on what Brian's laid, an amazing foundation in the last two weeks. Psalm 96, 24 times the word Lord is used. It is a God-centered psalm. It is uh, verbatim, almost word for word from 1 Chronicles 16, when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought by David into Jerusalem that represented the very power and the presence of God. This is one that they would sing these words. And as the psalmist has recorded these words, it reminds us of the power and the presence of God, not just in the ark, but on a cross. And the one who came out of the the grave, who conquered sin, Jesus the Christ himself. And so tremendous opportunity to to read this psalm together. Verse 1 says, of Psalm 96, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe, give, give to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name, and bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. 
Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing psalm. We ask and pray this morning that you would teach us as we've read this psalm, that it would read us in a sense. And so we get in this psalm, it would get in us in a sense. We pray, accomplish these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, imagine with me for just a moment, if you would, that grandma has passed down a specific diamond ring to her daughter. And the daughter has taken this, she's received it with gratitude, and, but she takes it and leaves it on the countertop. And she's lost it a few times over the years. She's allowed the kids to play with it in playing dress up. Um, and over some 20 or 30 years after mom has gone on to be with the Lord, she wants to evaluate the worth of this particular ring. And so she takes this particular ring after she finds it and takes it to the local jeweler. And the local jeweler takes it and with the cool kind of hats they wear, it flips down a couple of these things and begins to turn it and look at it and is almost captivated by this particular diamond ring. Takes it, actually um, gets up and says, I'll be right back and goes in the back and the special machines that they have in the back where maybe it, it magnifies it even more, begins to look at it and he begins to Google these particular things that he's finding and he's realizing that this is the particular one that's been lost for hundreds of years and its value is incomprehensible. And there's an exceeding joy that begins to swell up in him. He's been captivated by its excellencies and he wants to run back out, right? He runs back out to the lady and in a jeweler type of way begins to evangelize her, right? He begins to, in a sense, preach good news to her in a sense of what he's found. And this is what happens this morning with the psalmist. He's gone in the back, And he's discovered the worth and the work of God. And he's singing. And he's inviting all to sing along with him. And he wants to tell the world. He wants to let the world know about this God that has discovered him. This is what's happening, right? The psalmist is realizing that he is, is more sinful than he ever dared believe, but in Christ, he is more loved than ever dared imagined. And this response, right? This is our response, our response to God and his his work and his worth. It's, It's worship. It's the joyful and sacrificial response to all that God is and all that God has done. And ultimately all that he has done in the gospel. And when we say gospel, we mean the good news that Christ has come and lived the life that you and I could not live and died a death that you and I deserved and was buried after being hung and crucified on a cross where he took God's wrath upon himself. It was him in our place. 
was buried and he came back from the dead to validate that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through the Son, Jesus the Christ. The gospel, the good news. And we respond in worship. And so building on the last two weeks of the unshakable worth of God and the unstoppable work of God, I want to show you two truths from this psalm this morning. And they're captured in these two words, in gathering and in going. That's what we're going after this morning. So notice first, this morning, moved by the worth and work of God, we gather to worship and sing. We gather to worship and sing. Notice in verse one, it says, sing to the Lord. Sing, it's an expression of the soul and the heart. The psalmist is saying, listen, sing, thank God he doesn't say to sing on key, right? Amen. <laughs> For many of us. For me, no, the psalmist later in Psalm 100 says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And he says this, he says to sing to the Lord a new song. Now, what is he saying there? This is not the idea of different lyrics every day, but rather a fresh song every day. I could have a banana every single day for breakfast, but each day it's a new banana, right? And so it's, the, it's this gospel message. We're not looking at different things, at different ways to God. It's one way, it's Jesus the Christ. And it's a freshness each day and every day that we're singing to him. His mercies are new every day. He says to sing a new song, to bless his name. It's his name that we praise. Notice in verse six, it says, splendor, majesty before him, strength and beauty are his. The glories of the heavenly realm that is surrounding God. Some from Ezekiel and Isaiah, it's hard to even capture. One says that the angels in Isaiah 6 are flying around the throne of God, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're singing, holy, holy, holy. They're having to cover with their wings their eyes in one sense because of the greatness and the majesty and the splendor that is before almighty God. Listen, he says, to ascribe to the Lord. So we're not only to sing and bless and praise because of who he is and the work that he's done and the worth of his value, but we're to ascribe to the Lord. Verse seven says, O families of the peoples. So in other words, the psalmist is not in Starbucks with earplugs in his ear writing this. There's a togetherness here that he's calling us to. Right? Christianity is not intended to be a solo journey. Right? I mean, the Lone Ranger needed Tonto back in the day. And some of you are like, who's the Lone Ranger? Right? It's another generation. Google it. He was the best cowboy on the planet. Right? But he, he needed Tonto, right? There's a, there's a gathering of God's people to worship that fuels faith and glorifies God. 
This gathering is designed by God. It's for our good. You're singing of these amazing truths of mercy, mercy, mercy fuels faith. It fuels my faith. When I see that you believe this to the point that you're singing and I see you and I hear you singing these things. Colossians 3, 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now the word you there, it's plural. It's you church at Colossae. It's always this togetherness. In our individualistic culture, we read words like you as in, we individualize it, right? The New Testament was written as, as to, to churches, most of it, to the people in the church at Rome, to the people in the church at Ephesus, to the people in the church at Philippi and Thessaloniki and Colossae. This is God's intention of togetherness and gathering. He says, he says that the word dwell in you and teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. When you sing these great truths in God's word, we are addressed by God's word, right? There's a gathering to, with anticipation what God's going to do every single week. Imagine the gathering that takes place in our culture with favorite sports teams, right? There's a gathering over in Durham, North Carolina with a unique team. We don't like over here in Raleigh. Amen. And, and, and yet the joyful sacrifice of these fans, right? To the point that they would, would sleep in a tent outside in the snow. Right? Notice, notice these Cameron crazies, right? Over there. Sacrificing joyfully to get inside that gym to lift their hands over a ball going in a rim. Right? And imagine for a moment if only 10 fans came into Cameron Indoor with their bodies painted. And shouting probably wouldn't fuel as much belief in their team, would it? Oh, Providence, listen, we, we gather to worship, not a basketball, but the living God. It fuels deeper faith in God. It strengthens us to live for God. It propels us to show and share the gospel. Hebrews 3.12 says it like this, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. This is temptation to leave the gathering. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so a way to not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin is to gather and exhort one another. I mean, think about God and his unique way of creation. That God, even in creation, the beauty of togetherness is seen. Birds fly in a flock. Fish swim in a school. Animals travel in a herd. And the people of God gather to worship. Listen, when one of those gazelles try to run alone, it usually doesn't end well. Right? 
God's intention for his people is not isolation and withdrawal, but it's gathering. It's gathering together. I mean, think about God's creation just a moment. The redwoods out in California, some of the most incredible trees on the planet, the tallest in the world, reaching some 400 feet. Notice this picture that comes up, how they grow, how God has ordained them to grow, to reach a certain height. They have to be closer together. And it's unique because they're the tallest tree on the planet, and yet with some of the most shallow roots, there are their roots go to about five feet or a little bit more. But what's so fascinating about their root system is they don't go that deep, but they go wide and they spread. And notice the next picture. What they do is they lock roots with each other so they can endure the winds and the storms. And this is what God's calling us as a people to gather, to lock roots in a sense. It's even amazing of God's creation that when one tree is under stress, maybe lightning has hit it or it's damaged, that it produces, notice what this, uh, this next redwood, you know, it looks like a big boo-boo, right? <laughs> but it produces this burl that has these buds in it that then puts them on the ground right beside that tree so another one would grow beside it so it would strengthen it. This is what he's designed for the people of God is that we would be beside one another. And the way we're beside each other is we have to gather together. We have to come together. This is God's design for his church. Listen, listen, Sunday gatherings should be the most anticipated day of the week. (laughs) To be with the people of God, to sing and to pray and to worship. Oh, listen, Hebrews 10 says, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, capital D, drawing near. Listen, this day, this Sunday, this gathering is preparing us for another gathering. This day is preparing us for another day. This little D day is preparing us for a capital D day. When we come into the presence of Almighty God, either through death as a window into the presence of God or his return as the great commission is fulfilled. Listen, let me speak to you real quick. Now listen, receive this, receive this this morning. Listen, we offer live streaming. I want to say good morning to the live streaming. Good morning. Listen, we offer live streaming to serve you, but not to replace gathering to worship. Look, when it snows, we'll have fireside with Frosty for you, okay? (laughs) We'll pull that out, right? Have them some hot chocolate on the side you can't see in the screen with some marshmallows, But we have shut-ins, and it serves them. We love our shut-ins. You go on vacation, sickness happens. It serves you. But look, don't live stream so you can stay home. We need you. We need your voice. We want to see you. You encourage our faith. Listen, watching the Super Bowl and being at the Super Bowl are two totally different experiences. 
And I'd suggest to you this morning that the gathering of God's people to sit under the word of God and worship the living God outshines the Super Bowl by tenfold. Oh, listen, Jesus did not come in pixels. He came in flesh and blood. Gathering to worship together should never be replaced with just watching. No, listen, listen, if you're not a believer this morning, listen, we gather to prepare and to point on this day to another day. And we want you to be a part of that day that's coming. The way you're a part of that day that's coming is you come to a point in your life where you are broken and you acknowledge the brokenness in your own soul, not just in the world, but in your own life. And you turn, you repent, and you place your faith in Christ and you follow him. And he leads you home one day to eternity with God in his presence. But if you're a believer, and the majority in this room are this morning, listen, I want to give you four points of application in, in our gathering for the days ahead. Now, you know, if you've been with us for the last 18 months, we're in a unique season in this church life. It's been a sweet season, an exciting season. If you're a first-time guest, you don't know what's happened the last 18 months. A lot of exciting things have happened. Our pastor, after 37 years, retired. Incredible faithfulness to the ministry. God raised up a dear brother from within to lead us. We're in the middle of a vision, Vision 220, where we take two years and really focus in to prepare for the next 20 years of ministry. We've presented this to you. We want to strengthen our our ministry. We, We want to multiply and send more people out and train up leaders. And we want to improve and increase our facilities. 40 some folks a day are moving to the city. 20 babies are being born every day in Wake County. 400 folks are coming to this city a week. It's amazing. And so Brian has led us, has led us well to tell us to listen, we've got to lean in because you as a people have voted recently, just three to four weeks ago, to move forward with the elders' proposal of of improving and increasing this facility, specifically this room and the lobby and cleaning up some of the things outside as a 40-year-old-plus building. And it's been exciting. And so he gave us four ways to lean in. And I want to just go through those again as ways of reminder. And the first is that we would lean in as we gather, right? As we gather, we would lean in by praying, and specifically praying seven specific things that is listed out on a card for you to place in your Bible that looks just like this, that is at next steps. We want you to grab that. We want you to place it in your Bible. And as you study the word during the week, just let the spirit lead you to pray for us as we lean in together. We don't want to run from the days ahead because some displacement is coming as we do a little bit of work in this room. The second way we can lean in is by giving. And the guests, for guests this morning, this is not for you, okay? So just endure this for just a moment. For, for those that are part of Providence and call Providence home, listen, we're, we're excited. We're overwhelmed with his grace and what he has accomplished over the last 18 months. But we wanna ask you specifically, as the elders have brought a proposal to the table, you have voted to move forward with this It's going to cost $7.75 million. And as pledges have come and income has come, it's been amazing by God's grace that that we have close to 
four plus million of that, and it leaves us with an estimated of 3.25 that needs to be either raised by new and extended commitments or by borrowing, which you've approved the borrowing. But we'd like to see if God would move in us in such a way that we wouldn't have to borrow. And so the card I want to show you, it's in your snapshot really quick. One is called the extended vision of 220. And this is for those of you who have been extremely generous and gracious. We want to ask you to just to pray and to consider that we know that commitment will end in December of 16, and we're going to extend it for six months from January of 17 to June of 17. And so would you pray about what the Lord maybe would have you um, give to extend what you've already maybe committed, to extend that to help reduce that 3.25 million. We're not gonna have you come forward. We're, we're just gonna take today, next Sunday, and the next, next three Sundays to lay this out. We're just asking you to tear it off and, and we wanna be able to have a record of it just so we would know how much we would need to borrow in August. So you can take it and place it at Next Steps, guest services, drop it in the, in the mailbox there. There's a little box by there. Or there's a, a lot of you, right, that have just come to Providence for the first time. Maybe you've joined recently in the last 18 months. Um, you didn't have the opportunity to commit. And we'd ask you to pray and consider that. We also know that 50% of you did not commit at the time that we, we asked. And, and there were certain um, reasons for that. And the elders have done an amazing job receiving that information and processing that and then moving forward with, with some thoughts and some things that have been encouraging and so, and so we'd encourage you to consider. And the way you would do that, it's pretty simple. It's, uh, it's what your current annual giving to Providence over the last 12 months. You take that, place that on the line, the expanded generosity for Visions 220, which would be from July starting now until next June, so about a year there. Um, a one-time gift, maybe from accumulated resources. Um, and then the total, the commitment through June of seventeen. And then just your name there. And that would help us to process what the barring would look like. Last Sunday, after one of the last service, a mom came up and shared the card that her 10-year-old son is, wants to give $100 to this effort and is going to be working uh, in, in, the, in the neighborhood to support the efforts. And so we want you to lean in by praying and lean in by giving, knowing that we are so thankful to God for your generosity we also want you to lean in and excelling in hospitality. And let's think about this for just a moment, right? Hospitality, this idea of just being kind to one another and serving one another, going out of our way to speak to each other, right? There's going to be a lot of dust flying. We're going to be displaced from this room for a short season. And we need not the hospitality team to serve. We need all of us to be hospitable, Okay, y'all with me? So, so, so what that looks like is when you're coming in from the parking lot, you're speaking to each other, <laughs> okay? Um, and when you're coming in and maybe we have to come through a side door and some will have to be at the DLC and in this room that, that we're, and, and folks maybe are looking as if they're lost, we want to help them find their way. Think about this for a moment. If my family, if Jules, myself, and my four kids, I have a 10th grader, uh, which is crazy. Hello, he's driving, pray. Uh, uh, I have an eighth, eighth grader, sixth grader, and a fourth grader. If, if we showed up 
first time at Providence, this would be our experience. I want you to feel this with me, okay? We would walk in, walk up to the guest services. Um, they would be a little probably overwhelmed because all the kids would be taking the mints and we would be having fun. Um, and, and, then, and then they were like, well, let's, um, let's, your, your son's, let's see, his class is uh, at 11. Um, and then you're, you're, and that's in a room called Prisms. Well, I don't, prison? You take my son? Oh, Prisms, I'm sorry. Oh, that's another, that's another room. And so we would walk, um, uh, we, well, actually, you, I would encourage you to go to the 930 service if you have those four kids. And then afterwards, this is what you've got to do. You've got to drop your 10th grader at the Prisms. Now, your, your daughter is teaching a middle school. Middle school is on the third floor. Third floor of what? Well, we're a renovated hotel. And so in the back, there's six floors for real? And, and, so, and, and so, so we would go up to the, so I, well, how does she get up? Do I take her? Well, we can walk you after the service. I'll meet you back here. Okay, cool. Awesome. And so coffee, I uh, love coffee. That's in the cafe. Where is that? Okay, good. And then now my daughter, sixth grade, she's middle school, so she'll be on the third floor. Now your fourth grader, she's in elementary, so she's going to be in the new children's building. Never been here. Where, where is that? Um, well, we can walk you um, after we get to the third floor. Actually, the third floor connects with the new children's building. Uh, it's pretty cool. It comes out right there. But then we've got to go downstairs and fill out kid check. What is that? Well, that's some information we just want to collect to make it easier and safe for your children because we value children here at Providence. I love that. That's awesome. So that takes a few minutes. Now, what do me and my wife do? Well, we have some awesome life groups on the sixth floor. You can. How do I get up there? And so, 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 yeah. Well, you got to walk, but you got to find an elevator, or you can take the steps and you get up there. And there's an awesome lot of choices. And then after I go, now, how do I collect my kids if I want to after all of this? Right. Well, you can meet back in the lobby. Where? Which one? That one or where the coffee? Well, y'all determine that. Uh, hold on, family. <laughs> I hope I see you again. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> listen, listen. That's just one Sunday with some guests. We've got to lean in and excel in hospitality, right? We've got to help folks find the way. This, this was a renovated hotel. It wasn't meant to flow easy for a church, people who meet. Let's lean in in hospitality. Let's, let's lean in toward each other. Let's not grumble during this time. Let's, let's be grateful during this time. Now notice the psalmist, what he does quickly. Gathering. Gathering to worship glorifies the worth and the work of our great God. But notice what the psalmist does. It's as if his singing to the Lord moved him to want to share about the Lord. Notice what verse 2 says. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, and then immediately he goes to tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations. And so the second truth I want you to see is moved by the worth and work of God, we go to witness and share so more worshipers gather. We're moved by the worth and work of God. We go to witness and share so more worshipers gather. He says to tell of his salvation, not just on the mission trips that we plan for you, but to do this day by day. It's a life on mission. A life of worship is a life on mission. Your singing is directly connected with your sharing. If you're not singing that much, you're probably not sharing that much. But if there's a song in your heart about the gospel, it's going to come out of your mouth. Listen, what if God 
raised up. Every single one who are here as a part of the family of God at Providence. It calls Providence her home. In one year, in one year, you invested in a relationship of one who did not know God and you had the joy. In one year, every single one of us had the privilege to lead one individual to the saving knowledge of God. What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. There'd be a spiritual awakening in our city, a massive awakening in our city. And it would not only reach our city, but it would reach to the ends of the earth because the light that shines the brightest at home shines farthest away. Listen, imagine quickly, if I could have our team hit the lights and they go hit the lights, stay awake. Okay. Just stay awake with me. We're good. Everybody's good. Uh, The one's been sleeping. Y'all wake up now. Okay. Now listen, just imagine one small flashlight, just one little light, how it pierces the darkness of one room. Just one little flashlight. And when we cut the lights back on, which you can, all of these individual lights brighten the entire room. Imagine if you and I, the light of the gospel in us, went to our neighborhoods and to our city and shined the light of the hope of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ to our city and to this world, what God could do. Listen, he promises that he will build his church and the gates of hell won't stop it. He promises that he makes his appeal through his people. Listen, just last week, incredible opportunity to preach up in Boston at one of our church plants and then to visit with one of our church planters who's south of the city of Boston. And I said, we're having lunch with Chad and Jody and their little man and talking through the last three years. They've just launched about a year ago and running 50 and he's working part-time as a janitor in a preschool to make ends meet. They just feel this call to be there by God. And as they're there, they've had a few families that could not endure some of the the, the struggles and they've had to come back. And so they felt somewhat alone and Providence has come alongside and supported and encouraged. And it's amazing when you go what God does. What he, he hardly has any leaders with him. And when he moves up after a season of being there, he gets extremely sick. His appendix ruptures and bursts inside where there's so much damage. He's in a hospital up there for 17 days. Now I'm thinking, <laughs> look, Lord, I'm moving up here to south of Boston, right? Moving my family, uh, working part-time here, got a little bit of support coming, uh, trying to make it. And then I'm going to be up in the hospital for 17 days. Are you, are you for real, God? <laughs> That's the that's, I'm just honest. That's what I would say. I'd be a little upset. Right? But here's what God does when you go, right? He puts you in the hospital because this hospital is so small that you have to share rooms with folks. And the guy that he's in the room with has been looking for a home church and is now one of his key leaders as others had to leave, helping him lead the way. Only way he's going to meet that guy is for the appendix to rupture, <laughs> Right? When you go, God does amazing things. Speaking with a friend, uh, David Platt, who's a friend of Providence and, and is o- helping oversee the International Mission Board and the work to get this good news to the ends of the earth. He shares an incredible story of when you, when you go, what God does, that this particular man's over in the 
other side of the part of the world is engaging with this guy on the street and he's wanting to, to share the gospel with him and share the Bible with him. And as he's sharing with him, this particular individual looks at the Bible and the pages of the Bible, this type of paper is really thin. And this particular individual realized that that would be great type of paper to roll tobacco and smoke. And so as he's engaging with it, he says, I'll tell you, I'll give this to you if you promise to read it before you smoke it. And the guy agrees, right? Well, a few weeks later, he runs back into this particular individual in the streets. And this individual has a unique expression on his face of joy. And as he begins to engage with him, he says, tell me what has happened with this book. He says, well, I smoked my way through Matthew, (laughs) Mark, Luke. And when I got to John 3.16, it all made sense. And I believed. I mean, are you kidding? He smoked through the New Testament, the Gospels, and comes to faith in Christ when he hits John 3.16. Listen, when you go, God does an amazing work. We have a team that's already over in Amsterdam. Some more of our students are leaving today. I'm leading the team next Saturday to the Czech Republic where last year, a particular young girl's asking as we're sharing, as the team that we're joining that's sharing. She doesn't ask who is God. She asks, what is God? Listen, there's a promise from God that he's gonna go with us, that he's going to be with us to the end and that by his blood, Revelation 5 says, he will ransom people from, for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And he does this as we go and witness. So listen, this morning, as we close, when you are gripped by the glory and the grace and the greatness of Jesus and the work and the worth of God, it moves you not only to sing, but it moves you to share this good news. And so go this week. Go this week and tell someone day to day of the greatness of God in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for today, God. Thanks for the opportunity to to gather. Oh, we don't take this for granted. This is a gift. This is a gift from your hand to gather with the saints and to worship, to read your word. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the joy of this day as we anticipate the coming day, God, stir our hearts to come, to sing, to exhort and encourage one another so that the deceitfulness of sin wouldn't layer callous after callous upon our heart. That we would continue to believe, we would continue to fight for faith, we would run together as a people called province, on mission, on mission. God, accomplish these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.